good song. I never heard that one before. Is that just you guys just make it up? You wrote it? He wrote it. He can't even write his name. I don't know what he's talking about there. He's mad at me today. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I announced we were having our men's prayer thing, and he says, "Oh, we're, we got reservation. We're we're uh, we're camping that weekend." And I said, "Oh, I said evidently I need to pray for rain." He goes, he looked at me like, "What?" And and it rained yesterday. <laughs> now I'm not afraid of you thinking I'm a man of prayer. I am, but I wasn't praying for rain. Because we had our get-up going on there, too, you know, and we're planning. We're all sitting in that barn yesterday eating our egg shivering, and uh, we couldn't shoot outside because we're a bunch of girls. But anyways, oh, well, thank the Lord. But honestly, I didn't pray for rain, and I thought about it. I was going to text him and say, I didn't pray for this, but I figured he's not going to believe me anyhow. So, yeah, you know, the heathen rage, amen? There they go. The Bible says it warns about it there. All righty. Don't throw it away. Don't throw your preacher away when it rains either, all right? But uh, that's the title of my message this morning. Let's ask God to help us. Father, thank you again all for the day you've given to us. Lord, uh, rain or sunshine, you're always good. And, Lord, we love you. And uh, we thank you for being our God. And, Lord, uh, as that song was telling, Lord, what a blessing. Uh, Lord, uh, one of these days we're going to meet you face to face. What we've done on this earth is is really going to matter. Not for our salvation, although we get saved while we're here. But for all the things we do that it might bring glory to you. And Lord, that there'll be souls in heaven because we witness to people. Lord, help us to be bright, shining lights to you. Now, Father, bless the word of God this morning. Speak to us. Save the one that may be here without you. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Pharisees and the scribes were supposed to be the spiritual leaders of their day. And they had special outfits they'd wear. They would have bells on their, uh, on the trim of their garments there, and they wanted everybody to know they were coming. And uh, they, were, they were pretty, uh, you know, big hierarchy of the church, if you would, of uh, the people. And uh, not of the local New Testament church, but they were, uh, they were, they were some of the spiritual leaders. And uh, the fact of the matter is, I can't think of a, of a better way to put it, they were a bunch of phonies. That's what they were. They were just a bunch of phonies. Well, they put on like they were very spiritual, but yet they were not. And what happens, we found there in verse number one that they did come to hear Jesus. And you notice what it said, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. So all these publicans and sinners, they've come, they gather to see him. And then notice who's there with them at this time. Verse 2, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. You know, I mean, they, they, weren't, they weren't afraid to be around. They liked to be seen when something spiritual was going on. But they weren't spiritual people. And they, he, they began to complain about the Lord and said, Well, you know what he's doing? He's receiving sinners. Well, do you ever stop and think, Why did Jesus come to this earth? To re- receive sinners. To save sinners, you and I, for God so loved the world. What happens, he, he loves sinners so much that he gave his son Jesus, and that is who is here at that time it's that, that they're talking about, and they're saying he is receiving sinners. Well, that's who he came for. And so they began to mock him, and they said, well, he's receiving sinners, and he's eating with them. And they thought how terrible it was. I wonder if they went to the restaurant after church on Sunday and sat down with sinners. I bet they did, don't you? 
I don't bet. Baptist preachers don't bet. Methodists do. But uh, uh, what happens, uh, I, I would imagine they probably would, would uh, sit down with other folks like that. But Jesus was there with them. And they're, they're looking for anything they could to say bad about our Savior. What a terrible thing was happening. And who was it? It was God. It was God in the flesh. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and now these religious leaders are looking at Jesus and condemning him when they were the ones that needed to be condemned. I don't, think things, I don't think things have changed too much in our day. There's a bunch of Pharisees and scribes today, too. Like to be seen. They'll get up in their, their church and they'll put on all their robes. They'll have all their fancy stuff. And, you know, we could go to the Vatican today and you could see all that goes on there. You could go to your average uh, uh, church today and, and they, got, they got this little hierarchy going on there. And, and, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot of the, the, these folks here. I think about it, these were spiritual leaders, and I'm sure they talked about God a lot. You know, even spiritual leaders in America today talk about God a lot. But they talk about God, but they say, listen, I want you to listen to me as I speak. Now, I'm not saying do this. I, well, I hope you don't. But if you were to listen to some of the new preaching that is out there today, they will mention, they will have their praise songs and they will praise Jesus and they will talk about God in flowery words. And they'll even say, listen to him, but listen to me, they'll say. That's what the scribes and Pharisees were. I'm sure if you walked up to them and said, do you believe in God? They would say, yes, I believe in God. Why, sure I do. But yet what happens, here's the son of God, God in the flesh, and they're making fun of him. They're griping about him. Just like what people do today, they, I was listening to a, a, a video on, uh, about one of these, these preachers that are in America today. And someone asked him a question about, well, the Bible says this. And he said, well, I, I know that's what it says, but I feel like this. And I tell my people, this is what I think. You know, it doesn't matter what you think. It matters what God's word says. And so... It's not really a whole lot different today than it was back in the day when we read this story here. But I think what the problem was, the Pharisees and the scribes were jealous of the Lord. You see, why would they be jealous of him? Because he had the attention. Now, Jesus didn't go around to find attention. In fact, when he was born, he didn't get any attention. He came unto his own, his own received him not. One of the saddest things in the Bible I read. He didn't get the attention of everybody. Oh, when they fed people, man, there was a whole crew would come out there and get the feed, uh, feed uh, get fed some fish and some, uh, some bread. They came there then. But the crowds didn't always flock to Jesus. He didn't, he didn't look for the attention. But he was concerned about everybody. And so our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, what's he do here? He, he begins as these sinners have come to him. And as the scribes and Pharisees are there and they're, they're saying, look at what he's doing. He's eating with these people and he's, he's receiving these sinners. What did Jesus do in verse number three? He says he spake a parable. And the parable is interesting. Verse four, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. Lord began to tell the story about the lost sheep. 
I think it's interesting here that uh, in the parable, this man had a hundred sheep. That's quite a few sheep, isn't it? I would think, well, what a great big group of sheep he had. And then the Bible, the Bible tells us here, the Lord said he lost one. Now, the number one compared to the number 99 is a huge difference. If you were to choose which one you wanted and you were a sheep herder, you would choose, I'm sure, the 99. You say, but there's only one over here. But the Lord told the story that there was one sheep that had ran off. There was one that was missing there. And what did the shepherd do? Something very interesting. Probably if he went to people and asked for their advice, they would say, well, you got the majority. What are you worried about? You got most of them. I mean, you got 99% of them. But our Lord said, you know what the shepherd did? He left the 99 there and he went after that one. He went after that one sheep that was lost. Now, what was the object of him going after it? Was he going after that one lost sheep because he was mad at it? Well, if he's mad at it, why not let it go? It'd be eaten up by wolves. Was he angry at him? No, I don't think he was angry at him. You know what? He wanted him back. The object of, of, of this here, the object of going after the lost lamb was to bring that one back to the fold. Just to bring that one back. Our Lord was saying, I believe this, all the sheep are important. May I say this this morning? It's still true. All the sheep are important. Sometimes people think, well, you know, who am I? I'm nobody. You know, you're his child. You're one of his sheep. And may I say this? You are important to him. I'm not saying necessarily he's important to you. That's up to you. But I know what the Bible tells me about our Lord, that he looks and says, you're important to me. I think about life today has become almost throwaway. I think, you know, we, we talk about a, the abortion and the abortion crowd today. You know, I just don't understand it. You know, sometimes I'll turn the news on. It just makes me mad, amen. You know, sometimes well, I'll turn the news on. I see these people protesting, wanting, it's my body. Let me do with it what I want. Well, you got pregnant. You evidently were doing what you wanted to. But now they don't want that child. That's a result of what they were wanting to do. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? And I watch them and I think, how can you put your face on a television nationwide and, and say we're for abortion? I don't understand how the president can get up and say the things about abortion that he does. I can't understand how some of these people in Congress can get up and say it's a woman's right what are they doing? They're ending the life of that baby. They say, well, you're calling it murder. And when you keep calling it murder, you make it sound so bad. It is bad. You know what it is? Throwaway. It's a throwaway. I thought about life itself. Read the story about an 80-year-old man. Him and his wife got out of their vehicle in New York City. He began to walk up to his apartment, I guess, or somewhere there late at night. And some guy's riding a bicycle down the sidewalk, and he passes them. And all of a sudden, he goes down, he turns around, he comes back, and he shoots the 80-year-old man in the back of the head two times. Life's disposable. Life don't matter. 
the same week. This is all what happened last week and a lot more than I just wrote down. And then there was those two 17-year-olds that ran, ran over that police chief riding a bicycle. Maybe you saw that. He's riding his bicycle, retired. He should be relaxing, having a good time. And these yahoos are out there, and they are, they're riding their bike, and they had already knocked someone else off, I believe, already hit somebody, and, and they had stolen this car that they were in, and they were laughing, videoing it like a video game, and ran into that, that retired police chief and killed him and laughed about it. Throw away. That's what man looks at life. It's just throw away. You see the shootings all the time of killing people. Uh, how about the guy that pulled up next to the police car this last week and just shot the officer in the head? Pretty much every day you find out police officers being shot. For really no reason at all because they only, the only reason is because they hate them. They say, well, there's more out there. Yeah. Drive-by shootings, go to Chicago, and how many, you know, we don't even listen to it anymore of all the people that are being shot in Chicago. I don't even pay attention to it because so many people have no, no, no respect for life. It's all throwaway. One sheep was missing. Just one. The Lord didn't say, well, you know, the shepherd didn't say, well, I've got 99. He said, there's one missing. And he went after him. I think about, you know, we have so many things we have today. A lot of the things that we own used to be repairable. But now it's disposable. You throw them away. If you have a weed eater, most of the time for you to have a weed eater repaired will cost more than to buy a new weed eater. <laughs> Just disposable. I think about when we were, done, we were down, at the, down at the barn we were eating yesterday morning and everything was disposable. Paper plates, paper cups, you know, or phone cups and, uh, and plastic utensils and everything was just, at, when we were all done, had two bags of garbage. A lot of things are disposable. We have this attitude that, well, what's it really matter? Because we're getting to this area in our minds of thinking, what does anything mean? We could just, we use things and we dispose of it. Now, those things are silly, but life is not silly. And the soul of a person is not silly. I believe this. I believe God never made a disposable person. Amen. God never made a disposable person. My neighbor down below us, Jim and uh, Rose. They had their daughter. Her daughter, their daughter's name was Pam. She's the most friendly little, I say little girl. She was 50 some years old. But she was in a wheelchair, and she she was she had I'm not sure what all that she had wrong with her, but she could you could understand when she talked. But she'd always every time I'd see her, she'd always get really happy, and you could understand that. No, you can't. And uh, and she would go and she'd go ah hi ah hi, and she'd wave like this, and I always wave her hi Pam how you doing. I watched those people for the years I've lived at that house, 25 years. For 25 years, they just they pick her up, put her in a wheelchair, take her. You go somewhere, you see, they have, there's Pam. And you see her, she was so happy. They had three other kids, I think, and I was talking, to, I found out something. I, they said about Pam, they said, yes, Pam, we always tell people, said we have four kids, this is our normal one. 
and they would laugh, you know, and, and thought it was funny. But, oh, they loved that girl. 50, I think 56, 53 years old. She died. And I'm thinking, you know, what work it took to take care of her for 53 years, picking her up, changing her clothes, helping her, feeding her, taking care of her all those years. You know, they could have said, we have three other kids. They could, have, they could have listened to a doctor like the doctors are saying today. Your child might have a problem. You ought to abort that baby. They did that to Linda, our daughter. They said to her, they said to her and, her, and, and Tucker said, you need to abort this one child. I think there's something wrong with her. She is fine. Those dirty, rotten guys had no, no concern for life. I'm glad Linda and Tucker said one's important. But Jim and Rose, they looked at it this way. That one girl, all these years we'll take care of her because one's important. I didn't know that she had died. I found out, and I went down to him, and I said, Jim, I said, I'm really sorry. I feel really bad. And he goes, oh, what's wrong? Are you sick? I said, no. I said, I'm sick in my stomach right now about this. I said, Jim, I didn't know that Pam passed away. And so we talked a little bit, and tears got in his eyes. He said, we can't get used to it. And Rose came out. And I said, Rose, I said, I just want to apologize for not coming down and saying anything. I said, I didn't know she died. Big old tears, she started crying again. said, we just can't get over it. That made me realize, you know what? One person means something. Where most people would say, put her away. Put her in a home somewhere. And, 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 mo- and a lot of times people can't. And I understand not everybody can take care of them. But they gave their life to take care for that one child. Except one was important. One lamb was missing. One lamb was gone. They could have said, we got 99. But the shepherd said, I'm going after that one lamb. People today are disposable. Disposable means this. The Webster's definition means designed to be disposed of after use. But God didn't create people to be used by other people. God created us for him. Amen. God created us for him and to fulfill his will in our life. I believe God has a will for every one of us. And he wants us to live that will, do that will. And, and, and you know, the Bible says in Revelation chapter number 4 and verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. Now listen to this part. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. Do you know why we are here this morning? Because God created us for his pleasure. Amen. Lord, why are you going to those sinners? Why are you going to those people there? They're scum, some of them are. Lord, they're they're sinners. Why would you go and spend time? Why would you eat with them? Why would you even accept them? And the Lord says they're important. I'm glad God loves sinners. Because we're all sinners. So God didn't make people disposable. So this... In the parable here, we find 99 were left and one, and he could have said, I have the majority, but everyone was important. Makes me think about this. God wants everyone to be saved. 
Amen. I never walk up to a door anymore. I used to. I used to not do this. But I never walk up to a door anymore. I'm so in, and, and, and I, without thinking this, someone in that house, God can save them and wants to save them. And I go there and they don't want to listen. I hurt and I think, I hurt. Can you imagine how God hurts when he gave his son to die for them? God wants them to be saved. God didn't make us to be disposable. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not, uh, should not perish but have everlasting life. No matter what color the skin is, no matter where the, uh, uh, what nationality they are, no, not what, no, whether or not they're good or bad, God wants all to be saved. Amen. We had a missionary here last week, last week, Wednesday. Yeah, it's been last week now, isn't it? But last Wednesday night, uh, uh, the, the quitters were here. And I thought, what a terrible name, quitter, amen. And, uh, but they, they were here. And I said to him, he was in my office, and I said, his wife is, is from the Philippines. And I said, how did you all meet? He said, I met her in prison. I'm sitting in my chair thinking, what do I ask next? You know, what are you in for? He said, I met her in prison. I said, oh, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, not what you think. How he knew I was thinking what I was thinking. What you're thinking too? He said, on my vacations, I would always go to a, on a mission trip. And I was with a missionary, and we were going to preach at a prison. And she was with that church there, and she was there, part of the, uh, 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 with the church uh, group there. And he said she was in there, and they told us all, go in this room and sit down. And you have to wait till they can allow you to go in with the prisoners. And the, and the only chair for him to sit down was right next to her. And he met her in prison. That neat story. I could think of something more romantic than that. But uh, they, they, met, they, 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 they met there. You know, you, know, you think about this. God, God wants, wants everybody to be saved. Here was this man. He was as white as all white. And here she's a Filipino woman. And, and what, where were they at? They were in Thailand. Isn't it amazing how God brought it together? God says the one's important. You know, the day you got saved, there was rejoicing in heaven. Because you, which is one, got saved. God wants everyone to be saved. That's why, that's why we go sowing in different neighborhoods Sometimes we go, and I'll be honest with you, it's, it's a little easier talking to people when you go to the lower-income neighborhoods, you know, than it is to go in the ritzy neighborhoods. You know, when you have to ring a doorbell and it rings ding-dong, ding-dong, ding-ding, ding-dong, and keeps going for 15 minutes, you're in a ritzy neighborhood. But if you go up there and they got a doorbell button and the button's missing out of the case of it there and there's nothing there, I mean, and, 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 and the, the doorknob's falling off, you know it's not a ritzy neighborhood. But God wants to save no matter who it is. We'll go sowing in the ritzy. I remember one time Dave and I were at a house and, and, uh, in Haldaysburg and he was a doctor. He opened the door. It looked like a mansion in there. He had big pillars opened out into a pool in the back. I'm thinking, wow, he was a doctor. That night before we left, you remember that, Dave? And we, we, we were up there, and, uh, and, he, and he bowed his head, and he asked Jesus to come in his heart and save him. And then I've been at places where it smelled so bad. I mean, I mean, cockroaches were around, and it smelled like liquor and cigarettes, and, I, and it just not a place I'd want to spend any time. But you know what? There was a person there that God was able to save. He left the 99 and went to the one. 
people are not disposable. But may I say also this, God wants parents to love their children. You say, what's that have to do with anything? Our kids are not disposable. You say, preacher, I didn't have an abortion. Thank the Lord. But you've got a responsibility to raise that child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They're not disposable. Love is not buying them everything they want to have and giving them everything. Real love is raising them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Raising them for the Lord Jesus Christ. I've oftentimes said, I, I'm glad when my kids are around, but I'm glad that they're in God's will. I, told, I always say this, I'd rather my children be away, miles and miles, thousands of miles away from me in God's will than living next door to me out of God's will. Everyone's important. Kids aren't disposable. You see, we only have one chance to raise them, don't we? You know, my kids are all grown up. I don't get to tell them everything to do all the time because now they got kids of their own. And sometimes when the kids misbehave, I rejoice. <laughs> what goes around comes around, buddy. Amen. If I don't know. I don't know why they get so upset. Let's go back in time. Let's talk about this a moment, all right? But, uh, you know, we only have one chance to raise our children. We need to raise them right and do it right. And then may I say this too, and never give up on them. Never, never give up on them. But God wants his children to love their parents too. They're not disposable. Uh, you guys on the front, most of the kids are downstairs, so I'm going to pick on you guys for a minute. You're both blessed because you have your parents. I don't have my mom and dad anymore. You say, well, you're almost 70 years old, but I still want to call my mom and dad. Don't have them now. Thank the Lord you're able to go home today, and they may tell you to do crazy stuff. They may want you to do things they won't do. They're lazy. I know that, but don't. You still love them. But you know what? Parents aren't disposable. There'll be a day we're going to wish they were here. When I preached my mom and dad's funeral, my dad's was the hardest, I think, because mom had already passed away and that was it. And I walked away from there and it just seemed like it was so empty. And I thought, all those years, though, I had them. You know, I began to think, why didn't I go see them more? Why didn't, why didn't I call them more? And I can't. Well, one of these days I will, amen. We'll be in heaven too. Mom and dad's already up there. Dad, dad never knew that mom died because he had Alzheimer's. And so when he got to heaven, well, what a surprise. You know, he's there. He's in heaven. I can imagine say, whoa, this is wonderful. And then he looks and says, Joanne, what are you doing here? And because he didn't know she died. I don't know if he was surprised or that he beat her. I don't know that she was just there. But the, the thing is, how, how wonderful it is to, you know, the, the, your parents that you have, make sure that you realize they're not disposable. Parents with their kids and kids with their parents. And I have to say this too, God wants friends to love their friends. Friendship's not disposable. You know, sometimes friendships are destroyed by some of the stupidest things in the world. Your dog was in my yard. I'll be honest with you. I don't like other people's dogs in my yard. But I live net between two people that have a bunch of dogs. I know their names now. 
They come running through, and I look, and there, there goes uh, uh, Ruby. Hey, Ruby! Then they got uh, Stella! <laughs> oh, Stella, she, she's a walker dog, you know. Some of you folks know dogs, and she's a walker. And so Stella, she'll come up, and her eyes are real big when she gets in my yard. She's looking like this. And then I'll go, I'll go, stop! I mean, I'm not going to hurt her. I'm not going to shoot them when their parents, when their parents, uh, when their owners are around. But uh, I'm not going to shoot them. But I, I, I go, hey, 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 and and she goes, do you know those those dogs go go running up through there and and eyes get so big it goes running away. But uh, you know I'm not going I'm not going to lose my friendship or be unkind because their dog got in my yard. We ought not allow friendships to be destroyed over stupid things. Amen. You're thinking about some friends you have right now? Yeah, but you know what they did? They said something to my kid. Well, maybe if you had said something to your kid, they wouldn't have had to. Friendships are disposable. Our families are disposable. Our children are disposable. The Bible says a friend... Proverbs 17, 17. This is a verse all of all of us ought to get in our hearts. A friend loveth at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. You say, but they said something mean to me. Don't tell me you never said anything mean. A friend loveth at all times. Some of you right now saying, why don't you just preach the Bible? That's in the Bible. Amen? You with me? Yeah, right. You just lied, didn't you? We need to recycle. No, I don't mean get a blue garbage can out in front of your house. If you want to do that, go ahead and do it. That's fine. But I think this. You know what? He didn't say, well, I lost the one. Well, that'd be all right. He says, you know, I need to go get them back and recycle them back into the group. I'm glad God, when we stray, wants us back. So what do we need to do? We need to go after that lost sheep. And like I said, he could have said, well, I've got 99. What's it matter? One's missing. I think sometimes we're all thrilled at the missionaries and the reports we get. I always read the mission letters. I read them as they come in the mail. A lot of the guys now are sending them by email. I get that. I print them off, put them out there on that table. But I always read all the letters. Every letter that comes in, I read them. And I'm thrilled when I see the souls that are saved. You think about Brother Kevin Wynn and what goes on there and the great group of soul winners that he has down in Mexico. I was reading about uh, there in the Philippines this past week about how many souls got saved down there. And on and on and on, I think about all the different ones where people got saved. But I think about all those that are around us that need to be saved and thank the Lord for the ones that do get saved. You say, but preacher, we don't have as many as them. There were 99 sheep and one was missing. And that one was important. Understand, that friend, that neighbor, that relative of yours that's not saved, you say, boy, I wish we could have thousands saved. I wish we could too, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot of one sheep out there that needs somebody to reach them for Christ. The Bible says in Luke 15, 7, I think I read it already, but let me read it again. The Bible says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. More than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. We just read that in the, in the scripture there. 
what happens? There's joy in heaven. I wish we could hear the joy going on. Amen. Sound a lot better than the snoring in church. Wouldn't it be something if we could just open up heaven and hear the joy that goes on in heaven? You think that they really get loud? You think they, you think the Lord says, Well, someone else got saved. <sighs> Amen. It's rejoicing. Wait a minute. There was rejoicing here. There was rejoicing there because what happened, verse number six, and when he cometh home, he called together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. We think about the sheep that there was just at one. He says, Hey, I want you all to know the one that was lost has now come home. Rejoice with me. He was rejoicing and he was wanting them to rejoice too. Maybe something we start rejoicing over souls being saved. Every time you hear about someone being saved, there ought to be an amen come out of our mouth. But I'll say this you'll rejoice when you win someone to Christ, too. You will. We ought to go, out, we ought to go away from here this morning trying to make heaven rejoice. You say, preacher, but you know, I, I know, I know the, 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 the broad way leads to destruction. There's many there on that way. But I also find out I may not be able to go down to Mexico and win those thousands, but I can go to Martinsburg and win that one. I can go to Haldesburg. I can go anywhere around here. And I, can, I can maybe win that one. You say, well, that's not important. It was one sheep that was astray out of the 99. 99% was there, but one was missing. What do we need to do? We need to restore the lost relationship. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Here the man had come and wanted to bring something to the altar of God, and God said, you need to go home and get things right. With who? That one person. That one person. That one that needs to be saved, we need to tell him. And one person we need to get right with. We need to get right with them. Amen. So preacher, I just don't like them anymore and I have nothing to do with them. Well, why don't you get on your knees and ask God to help you? You know, life is too short to hold a grudge. You know, life is too short to hold a grudge. We need to restore our relationships. I think with God, we can restore our relationship with the Lord. What do you do? You repent of what's gone wrong. You get things right. We can restore our relationship with our parents. I think about the prodigal son. The father was there. When that boy came back, his father had another son, but that boy went out, and when he came back, he rejoiced, had a big old party for him. They were rejoicing, just like in heaven when someone comes home. There needs to be a restoring of our, with our children. Our moms and dads understand they're more than a tax deduction. They're kids to raise for the Lord. We need to restore our relationship with friends. And then what will it do for us? Well, let me help you with this, the last thing this morning. It'll help us rejoice. I don't know about you, but I like rejoicing. You know, one of the, one of the blessings was this. When, when, when Mr. Nicodemus called me, I could tell in his voice there was rejoicing. You say, he just lost his wife of 62 years to heaven. No more Alzheimer's or, or, or dementia. 
No more, he said, no more wheelchairs there. Amen. I mean, I don't know, but I think the Lord had her some hats up there too. Amen. Ready to wear. And, and, and what happened? She's walking the streets of glory today. I believe you go to, oh, John's his name. I, always, I didn't know his, he called and said, this is John Nicodemus. And I'm like, who? I didn't know. It was always Mr. Nicodemus to me. Always looked so dignified. And he called and he said, my wife went to heaven. And I'm like, why aren't you bawling? Because he knows there's a heaven. And he was able to rejoice. You see, when you, when you do what God says, you rejoice in that. If we'll understand that one, and you say, well, you know, I'm pretty right on 99% of things in my life. Get that other thing taken care of. And then what it'll do, it'll bring you joy. It'll bring you joy. This man here, he got that one sheep. Can you imagine? He's got 99 of them out there. He goes out in the wilderness there and he finds that little lamb, picks that sheep up and hangs that sheep over his shoulder and he heads back home. I don't know how big it is. Maybe it was one he had to lead. I'm not sure, but he had it. He's coming back home. I could almost, I could almost hear him whistling. Along, Just saying, hey man, I found you. I've been looking all over for you. I'm so glad you're coming back. He said, that's crazy. He evidently cared about that sheep or he wouldn't have gone after it. Because he could have said, 99, I got 99 of them. But one was important. And it was a blessing to him. I believe it was a blessing to the sheep too. You know, the sheep probably at first thought, I got all the field to myself out here. I'm fine. Do you know that there's wolves out there? You know, if he was in a crowd of 99, he could have gotten in the middle of it and been the last one to be eaten. But when he's in a crowd of one, chances aren't so good. It was a blessing to the sheep that the shepherd found him. That's a blessing when someone gets saved because the shepherd found them. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm glad he found me. The teenage boy down in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, but God looked down and saw that one boy get saved that night. He didn't look and say, well, I got so many over here that are saved already. I'm glad that he tarried and one more got saved. And I guarantee you this, it was the same when you got saved too. Just one lamb. I don't think I've ever seen anyone upset they did what God said to do. And when we get to the point of realizing those things are not disposable, don't throw away the opportunities. Don't think that nobody, that somebody doesn't count. Everybody is important. One little sheep. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time again this morning to bring the word of God. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts and help us realize how important that one is. Oh, I'm thankful for the 99. Oh, yes, Lord, I am so thankful for the 99. I'm glad 99 didn't go running off. But, Lord, when we stray, maybe we're not what we ought to be. Thank you for not throwing us away. Thank you for coming after us. 
Lord, I, I, I'm reminded that if we draw nigh to you, you'll draw nigh to us. Lord, you're there. You're ready. Lord, help us today to understand that one sheep is very important. Lord, I'm glad that our Lord didn't bow to the scribes and Pharisees. I'm glad he told them how important each one of God's people, how much they're, how important they are. Father, help us today. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. I don't know what the relationship is today that God may want you to work on. Maybe it's the raising of your children. You need to say, you know what, I've got one opportunity. I can't throw them away. I've got to do what I can to raise them for the glory of God. Maybe you've come to a place that, well, I just about give up on them. Don't give up on them. Keep praying. One was missing, but the shepherd went and found them and brought them back. Maybe it's kids, your parents. Thank God you got your mom and dad. Maybe it's friendships. Miserable people today that just can't speak to each other have all kinds of problems with each other as if friendships are disposable. But our Lord, I believe, taught us from the scripture this morning that these relationships are not disposable. Make them important again. That one person in your family is not saved. Make it important that you witness to them. You say, well, most of them are saved. Well, praise the Lord, but he went after the one the one sheep. I wonder if there'd be anyone here this morning said, Preacher, I don't know that I'm saved. You say, Preacher, why do you give the invitation? Because there may be one here that's not saved. If you died today, do you know you go to heaven? If God met you at the gates of heaven, what would you say? So I don't know. You need to know that you're saved. I wonder if there'd be anyone here this morning said, Preacher, I don't know that I'm going to heaven, but I'd like to know it. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up? Anyone this morning? Anyone this morning? Christian, this morning, has God spoken to your heart? Maybe about a relationship. Everyone is important. Let's get out of this idea of things being disposable. Let's not be so much like the world and understand relationships and souls are very, very important. Father, bless this invitation time. Now, I pray you'll speak to our hearts in this time. We'll do what you say in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.